So even when we get into it this morning, God's motive is he loves you. That's the whole motive. And so I, I got to kind of pick up here because I don't want to go over time. So I'm going to have to pick and choose. Jake, and thank you for following with me, man. <laughs> We're going to, if you got your Bible, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to just launch here and then uh, I'm going to believe the Lord just to lead me in this because I don't want to take up too much of your time because I could go till 3 with what I have. I'm just kidding. Some of you got real nervous right when I said that. <laughs> but I love, there's something about this man, Jesus, that I can't get enough of. And I know you probably feel the same way. He is amazing. And that's just even an understatement. He is wonderful. I mean, who he is to us, what he's done for us. That, I mean, the John, even at the end of his gospel, says, if even all the books could contain all the works, we'd run out of books. All that contain all the works that he's done. He is an amazing man. And I'm, I'm thankful and grateful to call him Lord. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to read it to you, you got it on the screen, from God's Word translation, it says, Every scripture is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors, correcting people, and training them for a life that has God's approval. They equip God's servants so that they are completely prepared to do good things. So now, what is the Word of God used for? Number one, the Word of God is useful for teaching. It's useful for pointing out errors. It's useful for correcting people. It's useful for training them for the life that, God ha that has God's approval. So the Word of God, no matter when you spend time in it, when you're listening to it, when you're spending time with the Word on your own personal time, the Word is doing one of these four things in you. Anybody ever noticed that before? Right? It's either teaching you, it's pointing out error, it's correcting, or it's also training. So anytime that we spend time in the Word, these are one of the four things that takes place. Right? I mean, at the same time, I mean, you can get, you can get encouraged by it, you can get strengthened by it. That's all part of training, right? That's all being taught by it, right? Now, what's the big picture that God wants to lay out for you and I in verse 17? First of all, that we have to realize that God has prepared good work for us to do. That you're not just here to take up space on this planet, that God has actually designed you to do what? Good work. Everybody say, good work. Now, that doesn't just mean like you're, okay, I got a job and I do good in my job. That's, that's part of it. But good work means the purposes, the plans that he intends for you to carry out that only you can do. Amen. That's what he wants for you. So the big picture in all this is you're not here just to take up space in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. You're actually here on an assignment, yes. on a purpose. And God is using his word to train, to equip, to perfect, to correct every possible way so that you can do these good works. Anybody interested in doing these good works? I am. Why? Because I'm going to have to stand before the Lord one day and I have to give an account for the works that I've done. Now, I want to make sure I want well done. Anybody else? Yeah. So in order to get the well done, what am I needing? I need training. I need equipping. I need perfecting. I need correcting. Yeah. Bring on the correction. Right? I, I love that about God, that God corrects those he loves. Anybody enjoy correction? Please say yes. Come to that place, because guess what? If you don't like correction, you will be an offended person all your life. Why did they say that to me? Guess what? You just got offended. Just always take this position of, I'm coachable, I'm teachable. Because the moment you do that, offense has no place in you. Right? So if you do something stupid, somebody can correct you going on, oh, yeah, I should have done that a little differently. And you just learn and go. Rather than, why did they say that to me? And get stuck, and you're there for 10 years. What a waste of time that would be. 
Right? So just take on this attitude of, I'm coachable, I'm teachable, I'm willing to change according to what God says or what, what people around me are saying from the Word. Right? Okay. <laughs> so that's the big picture is that God has prepared good work for you to do. Secondly, are you ready to do that good work that He has prepared for you to do? Now, just a little heads up, nobody ever gets fully ready. Right? You kind of step into it by faith and, oh, okay, ah, this seems like a lot. That's a good place to be. Right? Never live in a comfort zone. Never just go, okay, I'm, you know, I'm used to this now. Always be straining for the next thing. Right? And everybody wants encouragement on that. You can follow Pastor Sheila on Instagram. And she always got little quotes that constantly get you out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone because that's where you learn. That's where you're growing. And listen, that's where God really is. He wants to take you out of shallow and into the deep. It's not always comfortable, but it's necessary. Right? Okay. Next, the Word of God is established. For time's sake, we're going to just read through this. The Word of God was sent, and the Word of God is food for your inner life. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 9. Let's just read that real quickly. Verse 1, Matthew 13. says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat... Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So our question is, in reading this, is how does the word work? Verse 3 again, it says this, that the farmer went out to what? Sow or plant seeds. He went to plant seeds. So what is the farmer doing? Sowing. He's planting seeds. Notice that the farmer doesn't do anything with the soil in this parable. He's not doing anything with it. What is he doing? He is throwing out seed, Right? So your miracle, your answer comes to you, how? In seed form. A lot of times people are looking for the full-blown miracle. They're asking God, they're, they're praying and believing God, and all of a sudden they're just expecting the miraculous to, bam, take place and happen. God can do that, absolutely. I'm not, God, I mean, He's able to do that, and He's willing. But more frequently, how God operates more often is He does it by seed. So your answer then starts off in seed form. Like this, this bit. everybody hold out this little seed form. You need to see that. This is how your answer starts, right here. People want this, boom, but it starts right here. And this is where people get frustrated or a little bit thrown off. God, where are you in all this? What's going on? Why am I not seeing this happen in my life? God's access point to you is seed. Your access point to God is the seed. So again, what have you planted? What word has gotten on the inside of you so that it can grow to become this miracle that you're believing God for? Right? The same way Jamie and I, when we were talking about even having kids, we weren't just, okay, God, please, Lord, we're just asking you for a baby. And then, you know, do the thing that you got to do. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's just, yeah, where is it, Lord? No, it starts off as a seed. 
Okay, we took a promise in what the Lord says. We put that on the inside of us and we had an image on the inside of us of the kids that we were going to have. You don't just go, okay, God, please let this thing work in. Okay, well, we're asking that it just works. Please work, please work. It, it doesn't work that way. It's not some kind of magic bean that you just kind of throw around and hopefully kaboof and there it is. You got to plant it on the inside, right? This, the, your imagination is your spiritual womb. You got to see it on the inside before it happens on the outside. That's where it all begins. So what's on the inside of you that's your seeing so that God's able to work with that seed? And listen, the Word of God is full of images for you and I. For example, if you're dealing with sickness and disease in your body, 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 is a great image for you to start seeing yourself with. By His stripes, I am healed. Now people just say, okay, I'm healed. I quoted it. It should be mine. No, you've got to get the image on the inside of you. You've got to see it. Right? You can't just say, okay, this is it, I got it. No, do you see it? <laughs> right? That's where the seed begins. So, number one is, everything the farmer does, he does it by seeds. And even how does God fix problems in the earth? How did he fix your and my, the sin problem that we had in our life? What did he do? He did it by seed. Genesis chapter 3, 15. God says to Satan, he said, I'm going to make, a, there's going to be problems between the woman and you between her seed and your seed. So how did God bring Jesus into this world? Seed. That's how he does everything. That's God. God is a farmer. That's who he is. That's how he does things. Seed, time, and harvest. That's how God thinks. That's how he operates. And it doesn't really help. I mean, uh, us city folk that are, I mean, we got a couple farmers in the house. But city folk, they want this drive-through mentality. If I can just go through heaven's drive-through, ding, 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 I just want this miracle. That'd be great. Thanks, God. It doesn't work that way. You've got to sow, got to plant it, time, harvest. Right? Okay. That should be a game changer right there. So, number two, how does the seed work and what is the seed capable of? Verse four, it says, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell. The word, I love this, is no respecter of people. It's no respecter of persons. Everybody has the same grace extended towards them. You can't look at somebody and say, oh, how come God is doing more for them? It's not because God's doing more for them. Those people are receptive of the grace. The seed has come. They've taken it in. Grace is going out to whosoever. God doesn't have favorites. Right? Romans 2.11, Acts 10.34 tells us that, that God shows no favoritism. He looks at you and me the exact same way. What's the difference may be between all of us is ability to receive. That's the only difference, right? Okay. Thirdly, is the soil determines the seed or how the word works in your life. So where are you at? So you have a part to play in seeing the word working in your life. You have a part. Say, I got a part. There is a God side and there is a man side. It's not all God and it's not all man. It's two in one. God has a part and His grace is towards you and I. Our part is to be on the receiving end, right? How did you get saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. So how did you get saved? God provided it for you. What did you do? You were receptive to it. And what happened? Salvation. That's how this whole thing works. So you and I, we got a part to play in this as well. So now look at this in verse um, 19 or 18, Matthew chapter 13. You're there? You ready to go? All right. Verse 18, it says this. Now listen to the explanation 
of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. I, I really, I, every time that I read this, more and more comes to me. So this is growing in me. Now, I'm, the more that I do this, you know, one thing the Lord even told me just to actually start saying, and I forgot to do that, sorry, Lord. But you, to actually start acknowledging every good thing that is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I've just been kind of told by the Lord, just for my own self, just to start actually acknowledging what, I'm, what the Lord has graced me to do. I am anointed to teach the Word of God so people get it. So I need to say that that's, that's what the grace, that's what grace is doing on the inside. It's not me. It's the grace that God does it. So if you don't get it, this is going to make you get it. And how can I be bold in saying that? Because I know he told me to say that and he's the one doing it. So it's not Joel. Thank God it's not Joel. You don't want to hear what I got to say. You're not here for me. I trust you on that. But we are here to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to us. And I, because I've been praying over this, I've been praying for this, this church family that we see this thing because there's got to be results in people's lives. I know some of you are believing for certain things and we're right along with you, but we got to make sure that that seed is getting in a proper soil so it can produce. So the anointing is here so that you get it. Say, I get it. All right, now let's lay hold of that. If there's something you don't get, just don't say, oh, I don't get that. No, no, I get it. I get it. Right? I don't live by what I think or how it looks like. I live by what the Word says. I get it. Okay. So, verse 18 again. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Verse 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So now let's just look through this. So what is the problem with this individual? What's, what's the problem? Not, sorry, with the person. What's the problem on the inside? Right? Just one thing. We're not going to talk about. There's nothing externally wrong with people here. It's an inside attitude. Right? It's all on the inside. So what's wrong with, what's going on on the inside that's having this, this word is not able to get into this person's life? What's the problem? He doesn't understand. He's got a hard heart. It's hardened, like this footpath. If I were just to throw seeds on this ground, nothing's going to penetrate through, right? Now notice this, that what is the farmer doing? Is he going to that hard heart and going, oh, oh, bless your hard heart. Let's just, you know, let's, let's just, let's make it a little bit more easier inside. Let's just, let me, let me, let me work with this out a little bit. Is he able to do that? No, what's he doing? He's throwing seed. So listen, his answer is coming to him, but because of the condition of his heart, he's unwilling or doesn't want to hear what it's got to say. Right? That's, that's the condition. So what's now the solution to this? And again, it sounds easier, but you got to put the effort in it. You actually have to cultivate a pliable heart or, in other words, an obedient heart. Obedience. If you're finding yourself to be a hard person, and all of a sudden, you know, the word's coming forth. Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, somebody comes to pray with you. Oh, yeah, no, I've, I've been prayed by the most. All right, I don't need Your heart got hard. So now how do we fix that? you got to go back to the obedience. Got to go back to obedience. Now, I'm going to just read this scripture to you in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. It says, Now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, and all we are the work of your hands. Let him be that potter again. So what's the last thing the Lord asked you to do? If you're finding yourself, man, I'm just even having a hard time hearing from God. What's the last thing that he told you to do? Did you do it? Now, again, it's not, you know, we don't base our salvation on this, but what's the last thing that he told you to do? And if you haven't quite gotten it yet, that may be the beginning of where the hard heart started. 
So go back a little ways. Just come back. Okay, this is what the Lord told Okay, Lord, you told me to, you know, I need to start spending some time in figuring out and understanding what the love of God is like. Okay, I'm going to start nurturing that, developing that on the inside of me. What, what was it? Is it to talk differently with your kids, with your spouse? Is it to show up on time for work? What, what is it that he's trying to get to you? The Lord is not just standing like this and going, oh, yeah, that's your, your hard heart. I'm not going to throw any seed at you. He's talking constantly. Why? Because grace gives constantly. Love does not look at wrong ever. God is not counting up score. He's not going, well, you didn't do this, right? You didn't do this. So I'm not talking to you. No, God is speaking continuously. What's the last thing that he told you to do? Okay? All right. <laughs> Secondly, verse 20 and verse 21. I'm just going over this. We did this all very thoroughly. If you want these messages, they're all online. You can grab them or on our app as well. Verse 20, it says this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Why did they receive it with joy? Because they got it. They got something. They saw it. They heard it. They, oh, there's my answer. And they started to see some results in their life. Right? You, how can you tell when, you, when all of a sudden you get the word? Is there's joy that immediately follows. You get excited about that. Right? Remember you heard some, you got a revelation on how much God loves you. Or God wanted to show you what his grace was like towards you. What did it do on the inside? Yes, this is good news. This is exciting, right? Anybody ever had one of those before? <laughs> Man, it gets exciting. And when the word starts speaking back to you, oh, there's nothing better. And all of a sudden you got it so excited. And this person shouted with joy. He basically said, let the wild hog eat. <laughs> Come on, that's what he's saying. Every time you hear a good word, let the wild hog eat. And this guy, what was that scripture yet? I think it's, oh, gee, they're not here this morning. Proverbs what? No, Psalm 80, Psalm 80, verse 12. It actually talks about wild hogs eating. Yes, there's scripture for it. All right. So if you want to be a wild hog, it's, it's in the verse for you. It's in the verse. But then look at verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, what is the problem? <laughs> are the problems the problem? Is the persecution the problem? Is it the people that are causing problems in your life? No, they're not the problem. What's the problem? No roots. So all of a sudden, when these trials and these tribulations, these persecutions come at you, what happened to this individual? Because there was no depth of life, no depth of root. The result was, is that the seed that was in them was, was gone, was killed, right? So now what's the solution to somebody who's shallow? <laughs> is this not a hard question? What do you, if you're shallow and you want to be able to sur survive, you know, struggles, persecutions, troubles, what do we got to do? Go a little deeper. Now go deeper in what? Deeper in the love. Yeah, they, a lot of people say go deeper in the word. Yeah, what does that mean? Go deeper in, you know, you know, if I praise and worship. No, no, no. What are we supposed to go deeper into? The love of God. Not just, let's not just, you know, throw out things. What do we go deeper at? We go deeper into the love of God that he has for me. So what do I do? I'm going to start taking scriptures from the word, start meditating on them and seeing how much God loves me. 
1 John 3.1 tells us, commands us, to see how much your Father loves you, for He calls you children. So John is telling us to see it. See the love that God has for you. Not just hear about it, you got to see it. And we came to this realization that if, be, if when I get a revelation of how much God loves me, I know that there is nothing He wouldn't do for me. Romans 8.32 says that. right? If He gave you Jesus, He'd give you anything. Not only that, but when I get rooted in the love of God, and I get a revelation of how much God loves other people, then I know there's nothing that God wouldn't do through me. It's both. Right? It doesn't just end with me. This love that I see God love we, me with is not just for me to go, oh, yay, I feel so cozy and, oh, this is lovely. No, it's for me now to start ministering out. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5? He said, the love of Christ compels me. It moves me into action. So this is the thing. If you're finding yourself a little shallow, we just got to get rooted and deeper in the love that God has for you and I. Cool? Okay. Thirdly here is the thorny guy. Verse 22, the seed that, what does it say? Fell among. What's already there? The thorns are already there. So the seed just went among them. And what happened? Those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. So again, what's the problem? What's the problem? It is a crowded heart. Too much is going on in your life. <laughs> I know this is going to help somebody this morning. There's too much going on in your life. Keep it simple. That's what we're going to talk about. That's, that's the whole problem in this, is too much going on in life. Everybody's got, got stuff going on. When's the last time you rested and actually enjoyed life? The Lord asked me this question. This was a couple months ago. Joel, are you actually enjoying this life? No, actually, I'm not. <laughs> if I'm real honest, no, I'm not. Why? Because I just have to keep working. I'm going hard. We're keep going. Things. Well, I'm not enjoying the process. I'm not enjoying the going through in this. So I have to change something on the inside of me. <sighs> now I'm enjoying life. It's good. Right? Other than I rip my pants a little bit. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so if you see me just walking like this, it's because they ripped. All right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the problem <laughs> is a crowded heart, not ripped jeans. That's the problem. <laughs> and now what is the crowded heart? It is the cares, the lure of wealth, and desire for other things. Luke chapter 8 talks about a desire for other things. Now we talked a lot about worry last week. This week I'm not going to just I'm going to just touch on it, but money free. To be so carefree of money that pff, man I I'm, I've no interest in trying to get more. Right? Cuz listen, if you know Matthew 6:33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto me. But Jesus said those, you cannot serve two masters. For either you'll be devoted to one and hate the other, you'll be connected to one and you'll be disconnected from the other. So you got to basically choose who you're going to serve. And you know what? I mean, I don't have any coins on me, but money in itself is not bad. Right? If I just had a $100 bill and I just laid it on there, you look at it and go, you can't, people would say, you know, a lot of religious folk would say, that's evil. No, that's not evil. What's evil is what's controlling individuals. Because if I live my life for God 
and I pick up this $100 bill, now money is good. That $100 back down. If somebody who's controlled by the spirit of mammon picks that up, now money becomes evil. So the money in itself is not evil. It's just kind of the, it just kind of lays there. It depends who picks this thing up. Now, because it says you cannot serve God or money. God is a what being? A spirit. Money is a... We say it's physical. I'm not talking about the physical. There is a spirit behind it all. It's called mammon. The spirit of mammon. So we gotta, we gotta decide who's going to control us. People leave good churches to go move other places for $12 more an hour. Now what's controlling that? I mean, unless God tells you to, but a lot of times, oh, $12 more an hour, people are going for the sake of mammon is running the show. You know, people even say this. I'm going to just throw this out there. All the church wants is my money. Do you know what that started that whole thing? The spirit of mammon. You go to a football game and you just walk in there and say, oh, no, I don't need a ticket. All you, all you guys want is just my money. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? They're going to phone security and say, bring this sucker out. Get him out of here. Right? You go to a grocery store. You go to a superstore. No, all you guys want is my money. I'm not, no, no. I'm taking my cart and I'm going home. <laughs> What's going to happen? Those nice guys, those security, that kind of, you know, just stand there, look as if they're doing nothing, walking around. You know, you're going to come all of a sudden, jump on you. Why? Because you got to pay for the groceries. Churches is a, you don't have to do anything. We get to. But that mindset now has crept into the church. All the church want is my money. That is the spirit of mammon at work. Talking. What do I want God at? God can have it all. He's the Lord of it all. So am I serving God or am I serving the spirit of mammon? That's the question we got to ask ourselves. And lastly on this, he said, what's the other thing? I mean, when it says the lure of wealth, I mean, you kind of just picture one of those, you know, fishing lures. I mean, the spirit of mammon will just constantly throw, oh, there'll be more money here. And all he's doing is he's just reeling you in, reeling you in, reeling you in until you're stuck. And listen, when the spirit of mammon's done with you, what are you left up as? Well, actually, I'll give you a prime example. Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. That is the spirit of mammon seen right there. Give me my inheritance. I want my inheritance. What did he do? He spent it all on, you know, crazy living. And when the money was gone, where did the spirit of mammon leave him? In a pigsty, feeding pigs, hopeless, bumless. He's got nothing left. And what happened? How did he come out of it? Not more money. Listen, money is not the answer. What, did, what, what got him out of it? A thought. A thought came. You know, my, my father's got all these hired servants, and here I am living in this pig pen about to die. You know what, if I just go back, if I can just be a hired servant, man, I'll start living. He went back there, and this is where grace, serving God, supersedes even the spirit of mammon. Mammon can't even come close to what God tries to do in a person's life. He'll say that he can do the same things as God. Oh, I'll make you wealthy. I'll make you prestigious. I'll make you the real deal when you have all of this money. And why do we find people constantly uh, hopeless or just, oh, I have all this money, but I got no happiness. There's no joy. There's nothing to it. Because mammon, once it leaves you, it leaves you reckless. But when you, God gets a hold of you, God starts blessing you his way, what does he leave you? And there is Proverbs chapter 10, you know, the, uh, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And there is what? No sorrow attached to it. Where it's the opposite for the other. Anyways, that's just a quick on there. The next thing is to actually be idol free. I don't have anything else in my life that takes God's place in my life. Now again, what are we talking about? We're talking about an individual 
who's wanting the Word to work for him, but can't see it working. Why? Because there's cares. There is so much clutter in his life. The worry, the, the desire for more money, and this last one is desire for other things. Something else has taken the place of God in his life, leaving him wanting more constantly. Anybody ever find that? You just, there's more, I want more, and I want more, and I want more. There's a spirit attached to that. First John chapter 5, verse 21, I don't have it on the screen. But in the Amplified, John finishes his whole first book saying this, Little children, keep yourself from idols, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for Him that would take first place in your life. Amen. I want nothing in my life that's going to try to take the place of God. That could even be family. That could be my wife. That could be my kids. That could be my job. That could be a sport that I really enjoy. You know, for a while, soccer was more important to me than anything else in this world. And is it wrong to like soccer? No. Is it wrong to enjoy your family? Is it wrong to have a good job and work hard in it? No. But what the problem is, is when that thing gets more important than God. That's where the problem lies. Because God wants to be the source for everything in your life. Listen, job can only take you so far. Right? Okay. I'm not going to milk that. I'll just end it off there. Period. So, the problem with this individual is a heart full of other things. So the word gets choked. What's the solution? It's to simplify life. Let's keep this thing simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> okay? Now, what does simplify mean? It simply means to remove anything that complicates your life and preventing you from, from freely pursuing your purpose for living while enjoying the journey. What's the point of your life? Is to fulfill the call that God has for you. All this stuff will get added to you when this becomes your primary focus. This has got to be the primary focus because the moment we get caught up in here, we miss out on what we're here for, right? Okay. You know, one of the things that Jamie actually is very good at is decluttering. Anybody likes to declutter around here? You got any people that like to clutter things? You ever see it on TLC? There's a few folks. You ever see those people on TLC? They say, declutter my house, and these people are like pack rats. Man, they got wall to ceiling just full of this old books and magazines, and people even collect ice cream buckets. Like, who on earth collects ice cream buckets? And they, not, not only that, the weirdest thing that I saw is, you know those little uh, ties for your bread? What a, why are you collecting those? Like, you have a huge problem. But listen, this is where it all begins. It, you, you, a lot of times you see what's going on. People are being pack rats out here. It's because there's a lot going on inside of them. It, it's both. Nothing just happens externally. Remember, life is lived from the inside out. So when you see people high strung, just know this. When Look at them go, man, rather than going, what's wrong? What's your deal? Man, they're dealing with a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety going on in the world today, and you can see it clearly how by people's actions. Well, if you see a lot of pack rats, just know this, they got a lot going on on the inside of them. Right? There's a lot of life happening. There's lots of things going on that maybe just need to be, you know, figured out a little bit. Now, Jamie throws away everything. She's really good at it. And I mean, all of a sudden, Jay's, I mean, especially the school that Jace was part of, he come home with a new craft. Oh, mama, look at this craft. Oh, that's great, sweetheart. I got 15 other ones. Gone. <laughs> Recycling. I'm trying to hold on for sentimental value and it's gone. 
my mom was the same way, constantly decluttered. Now, it's good, actually, to have a decluttered life. I don't know about you, but even in my personal workspace, if I have a cluttered desk, I cannot think straight. If, my, if everything around me is just messy, guess how your time with the Lord's going to be? It's going to be, oh, I got to put the... You can't just sit down and move life forward, right? So the main... And this is the thing I want to mention. The, let's keep... The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That makes sense? Okay. The main thing, say it with me, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's, the more you say that, you start to say thang. The main thing, the main thing. Now, the Lord told me this was it's about two years ago, and I'm still in the process of working this thing out. Is He told me, Joel, I want you to live in the important, not the urgent. I want you to learn that. Because listen, there are so many urgent matters that come. Your life, God has given you time. Now, if the enemy can do anything, and you're already born again, child of God, you're on your way to heaven, you're a tongue-talking Christian, you are a threat to him. But what he can take away that threat is he keeps you and I distracted. If he can get you and I distracted and off course a little bit, you are of no more threat. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the guy I want to make threat more than anything else. I want to make sure his kingdom cries every time that we wake up. Oh, they're up. Oh, shoot again. Is that night? Man, it must be summertime. The days are so short, long and the nights are so short. I want him to freak out every time that we're awake. And how do we do that? Not being distracted with everything, but I'm focused. This is what God has called me to do. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. So we got to keep the main thing. Let it be the main thing. Right? And forget all of everything else is changeable. But the main thing stays the main thing. What's the main thing? <laughs> All right, I'm glad you asked. Well, in Luke chapter 38, 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Let's read this quickly. You give me a few more minutes just to finish this? I went, I went quick. Okay. And this is the message Bible on there. It's, I'll just read it from the message. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. Isn't that good? Man, there, you know what? You need Marthas in a, in a house. We got any Marthas? Very hospitable. Right here. All right. Man, those are, they're amazing. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master. Now look at this. Hanging on every word he said. Verse 40. But when Martha was pulled away, or I say pulled away, by all that she had to do in the kitchen, later she stepped in, now, okay, what's, what's Jesus doing? Remember, what's Jesus doing? He's teaching. Martha got pulled away, and it says later, Martha stepped in and doing what? Hold up, everybody. Hold up. Time out for a sec. Stop the whole service. Stop it. Master. Now she not only interrupted the teaching, now she goes to try to correct Jesus. No, no, I, like, no let's just stop here for a sec. Remember, we're, we're, we're seeing external things, but what's going on on the inside of her? She's so busy on the inside. It says she's got pulled away. Who pulled her away? B busyness. Nobody's in control of your time. You are. Pulled away, interrupting a master, Jesus. Don't you care? And how many Christians say that to the Lord? Don't you care? I'm working my butt off over here and look at all this stuff that I got to do yet. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? And now notice, this is her thinking process now. My sister has abandoned me. 
I'm glad I'm not married to a woman like that, but I would just say, girl, calm down. Like, simmer down. Like, calm down. Anyways, abandon the kitchen to me. Tell her to lend me a hand. Verse 41. The master said, Mary, get your butt. What are you doing here? Get over in that kitchen. Then what did he do? No, what did he say? Martha, dear Martha. I bet you he did it kind of with a laugh. Mar- Martha, interrupting the service, telling me what to do. Oh, Jesus, help me. Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much. You're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over. Why? Because we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. One thing, verse 42, one thing only is essential. Now, I want you to underline that. Jesus did us a huge favor in how life operates and how life goes and all the busyness that you and I have. You got kids, I got kids. You got grandkids, I don't have grandkids. You got jobs, you got businesses, you got employees, you got bosses, you got everything going around. You got to buy new clothes. Everything's going on. But he said one thing is essential. Jesus did us a huge favor in this verse. He told us and he showed us to simplify this life. One thing is essential. And I don't want you to go away. Oh, that's nice for Martha. That's great that Mary made that decision. You got to come to that place where you see this. Let this come out of just the, oh yeah, this is, that sounds like a good Christianese thing. No, no, he, this is for you. One thing is essential and Mary has chosen it. I want it to be said to me, one thing is necessary and Joel has chosen it. One thing is necessary and Eric has chosen it. One thing is necessary and Mr. Enns has chosen it. You have to choose it. Nobody is going to force you to do this. This all comes by choice. And Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken away from her. Uh, ask for what you need. What does that say? Is that right on there? Ask for what you need. And it will not be taken away. Let me just read that to you from the uh, Passion, verse 41. Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Now, in that question, I believe this, that Mary had the opportunity to get offended. But Lord, I'm busy. The kids got this on Monday. Then I got this on Tuesday. Then I got to do this on Wednesday. Then I got a job thing on Thursday. And Friday, the weekend just caught up because a new movie's coming out. I got to go see this, this. And every life is just going on. And he says, why are you so distracted? That's a question he could ask you. And the potential to get offended is very high at this point. Why? Especially if you're an individual that's trying to get things done. You're a mover. I'm a mover. I got to do stuff. When I get excited about a good day, when I see when I made progress in something. Sometimes the best progress I've ever made was actually when I sat down in a chair and just thought. Now, for my personality, that's tough to do. But when I just sit down and just let the Lord just start talking, I've made more progress on the inside in a day than I could do working my butt off for a whole year. I believe that. So, and let me just finish off the question. <laughs> the Lord called her work a distraction. Okay. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege away from her. Now we have to discover and come to this realization that this one thing is more important than anything else. Why? Because these are the three reasons. Number one, everything in my life flows from my relationship with God. Everything in my life flows from my relationship with God. 
If, I have, if I'm having a tough time even just relationally with Jamie and I, if there's things that we're, all of a sudden things aren't clicking between us, it's because I haven't been able to click with my Heavenly Father. I know that. So I got to stop the whole thing. I got to go back to what is essential for me. I got to get into the presence of God. If I'm short with my kids, and sadly I have done that a couple times. Why is that? It's not because, you know, they're running around not listening to me. The problem is, is I haven't been spending quality time with the Lord. So he's able to, you know, minister life on the inside of me so I can minister it back. It all begins with him. Acts 17, 28. In him we live, we move, we have our being. We got to realize this. You're trying to do life on your own. You're trying to make things happen. Stop it. You're not the making of things happen. You are the responder to what God does. Secondly, is apart from God, I can do nothing. I have to stay vitally connected to the vine. John 15, 4, it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce. Say, a branch cannot produce. What are you? A branch. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And thirdly, distractions will keep me from the primary purpose I'm here for. I got to fulfill what God has called me to do. And I want to enjoy life doing it. <laughs> is it possible to enjoy life and fulfill everything God wants you to do? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm learning it as I go. Okay. And now if you would be very kind to give me five more minutes, I'll finish up. Okay. Okay. The fertile ground. I want you to see this. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Look there again for a sec. And I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. You'll see it on the screen. This is a fertile ground. It says, The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news. Say with me. Hears and takes in. So I'm going to just tell you this, that they are listening with the intention of doing what the Word says. They heard it, but they're not just hearing it. They're hearing it. Okay, how can I do, what can I do this week? What, what are my actions going to be like this week? I'm hearing with the intention to do. When you're spending time listening, and when, every time I say listening, I'm meaning you spending time reading and looking at the Word. When you're listening to the Word, do with the intention of looking to do. It'll talk to you a lot more. Because if you just want to listen, oh, what's, I need a cute little you know, boost for the day. That's cute. That can happen. But more importantly, Lord, I'm looking not just to hear something. I want to be a doer of what you're showing me. Because as long as the Lord knows that we've got committed doers, he's going to reveal things to you constantly. Who gets stuff? The doers. Right? And I'm not talking about being religious. Okay, I got I to gotta make things happen. I'm saying what he shows you, I'm going to do. He shows me how to love. I do it. Okay, so the seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news. And then, what happens? I want you to get excited about this. Produces what? A harvest beyond his wildest dreams. This isn't just a dream. This can actually happen for you and I. How does it happen? Someone who hears and takes in. So I'm looking at, I'm not going to turn there, but Matthew 7, if you're taking notes, 24 through 28, talks Jesus talking about those that hear my word and do it, they are a wise man. Now Luke chapter 8, verse 15, this relays the same parable, but I want to read it to you from uh, Luke's perspective. He said, the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word, or say seize, seize. 
So man, they are craving this thing. They seize this word. I want this word. And hold on. They say, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Not only are we going to lay hold of it, grab it, I'm looking to do it, but I'm going to hold on to it no matter what. Sticking with it. So they say, stick with it. Come on, we can't have wimpy Christians in this. We're in a war. What if you all of a sudden, you, you watch it, anybody ever watch a World War movies? Man, I, I really enjoy those types of movies. But do you ever see them? Oh, this is just so hard. Why are they, why are they shooting at us? Like, hi, we're trying to liberate, you know, everybody that's in bondage. Can you just let us go? They don't think that way. What are they doing? They are holding on no matter what, and they're sticking with it. Those are the heroes. Where are the heroes of faith? Right here. This is where we are. We stick with it. No matter what. Until when? Until there's a harvest. I am not backing down until I see what I saw in my heart come to pass in my life. He said it. I believe it. Now, God, I'm standing here. I'm not letting go of what you said. I am holding on, holding fast. I don't care what comes my way. Who says what? I don't give a rip. This is what you said. Now, until there's a harvest... Why does it say that at the end? <laughs> Misers of what you hear. That makes no sense. Okay. Misers, whatever. Okay. But anyways, the point in all this is we stick with it until there is a harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says that to us. He says, you, man, if you faint not. Talks about you've sown. You shall also reap if you faint not. Don't just stop at the, at the sowing part. This is vital because a lot of people have just, they've sown, not just finances. I'm talking about your time, your energy, your thought process, your, your words. You've encouraged people. He says, you've sown, you shall also reap if you faint not. Now, a lot of people are just in the sowing business. I want to be the reaper on the same side. Don't quit. Say, don't quit. You can't quit now. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. Like, don't do it. Your family depends on it. Your future grandchildren, your children, they're depending on you not quitting. Now, that's one thing I'm thankful to my parents for is they never quit. They never quit. Even though when all hell broke loose for them and things started to really suck out there, they refused to quit. And I got the blessing of that. I'm thankful for that. Now, there's this next one. There's another generation that needs to see a church not quitting. We've sown. What are we going to continue to do? Sow. What's going to happen? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to faint. I am going to reap my harvest. What does that look like? It could be that my kids are serving the Lord. Like you have no idea what that's doing, but don't quit. Stick with it. We're in a war. The enemy's after you. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But if you don't quit, he's got no access to you and I. Right? And lastly, I love this. It says you have need of patience. You have need of it. And in Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 39, it says that we actually have need of it. Can I read that and we'll close it with this? Hebrews 10, turn there real quick. Hebrews 10, verse 30, 32. It says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting ahead of you to last forever. 
So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember that great reward, remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance. Say patient endurance. What does that mean? It means you stay the same no matter what. You're consistent. Everybody say consistent. You don't have to be living like this constantly. Right? You heard the word, the Lord spoke it to you. What do you do? You have the good heart, Lord, it belongs to me. It's mine. I am not quitting. So even though I may not see it out here yet, I got it. I have it. It actually belongs to me. I'm not going to quit. I don't care what people say about me. It belongs to me. Now, I'm stirring myself on this because there is a church that I see that I don't yet see, but I see it. So what do I got to do? I got to hold fast to the image that I have on the inside of me and not let anything out here dictate it otherwise. There's a church that I see to reach Red Deer. There's a church that I see to reach Central Alberta, but I don't have it here yet, but I see it. So what do I do? I have need of patience. Hold fast. What vision do you have of your family? I see my kids serving the Lord. You don't just kind of, oh, that'd be nice one day. No, you get it on the inside. I imagine it. I see them with hands raised. I see them preaching the gospel. I see them reaching out to a whole dark generation. I see them doing that. But yes, I don't necessarily see it, but I see it. Hold fast to that image. My kids aren't serving the Lord. No, don't, 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 don't go by that. What do you see? What has he spoken to you? That's what we got to go by. That's what we hold on to. And he says, you have need of patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Hold on. Verse 37, for just in a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Don't turn away on what he showed you. He's shown you some things, businesses. He showed you some stuff. Don't turn away from that image. Oh, but it got so hard out here. If that's what you want to say, it got hard out here, so I just quit. But what? We're part of the kingdom. When you sing the song, Unstoppable God. Do you believe that? But I'm not seeing it. Forget about what you see. This is all changeable. The rules that they put in place, all changeable. Verse 39, but we, say we, We. say I, I am not those who turn away from God to their own destruction. I am a faithful one whose souls will be saved. (sighs) That's who we are. Amen. Let's all stand up.